Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Wall Street's been pretty excited today. In fact, they are so excited that at one point the Dow was up 400 points when Monday spell opened. Okay. What's crazy right now, though, is at the time they're recording this podcast, the Dow is only up about 165 points. But Wall Street's getting pretty excited for the midterm elections, which means they have an idea of who they think is going to win. But like I've mentioned in the past, depending on if those results actually come true, could determine how the market goes on Wednesday, let alone Wednesday evening when poll results start coming in for the final results of what's happening for the midterm elections. But we're not going to worry about the midterm elections on this podcast today because we got other big news to be able to talk about that Wall Street has been pretty excited about as well, it seems like. For instance, first off, there's news from Meta as Meta's Meta shares are up on a report that they're set to begin mass layoffs at Meta, which is kind of a big deal for Meta in particular. Walgreens is in the news as well today as they're planning to buy Summit Health in a $9 billion bill, a billion deal, I mean. That's what we're going to be also talking about later today in this podcast. Carvana stock is tanking on a continued sell-off and they because they just reported earnings. Um, Plantar... Uh, Plantier, I mean, Plantier has also reported and their stock is falling too, as when from what they've reported. The Fed is also announcing that they've seized up to 3.36 billion Bitcoin. And that's kind of a big deal for the Fed to be, be, to be making moves like this. And finally, there's some news from the EU and they're having some serious concerns about Joe Biden's inflationation, correction, inflation reduction act. And what does that mean that the EU is now stepping in and talking about Joe Biden's ideas? This could get things really interesting within the market. With that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that I'm not a professional advisor and I legally cannot give you financial advice. You need to talk to your own professional advisor as they can help you in your financial situation a lot better than I could. Please also note too that I do have a long-term position in Facebook. It is a small position, but it is a very, very long-term position as well. And with that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Meta shares are up on report. It's set to begin mass layoffs. From CNBC, shares of Facebook owner Meta were up about 5% Monday following the Wall Street Journal report over the weekend saying that the company could start mass layoffs as soon as Wednesday. In the first major reduction in headcount in the company's history, the layoffs could impact thousands of employees, according to the journal. The company said it had 87,000 employees at the end of September. A Meta spokesperson did not comment on the report, but pointed to CEO Mark Zuckerberg's comments. Meta's earnings call last month. In 2023, we're going to focus our investments on a small number of high-priority growth areas, Zuckerberg said at the time. That means some teams will grow meaningfully, but most other teams will stay flat or shrink over the next year. In Arrogate, we expect that by the end of 2023 as either roughly the same size or even slightly smaller organization than we are today. The company has seen the stock fall 72% this year as it tried to launch a new strategy focusing on building the metaverse. Its market cap now sits below $260 billion. You know, it's crazy. Just think about this. A, a year ago, Facebook shares were at least over $2, $200 a share. I think at one point, even $300 in the last few years. Could be wrong. But now you're looking at Facebook, who's, at least last I checked, 
was at under $100 a share. Might be higher now because of this news of layoffs that are happening. But it's insane to think Meta is now laying off people. Okay, this comes at a time when companies are announcing layoffs left and right. And we got more to talk about later on about layoffs going forward, I believe. But it's weird to think that this is not bigger news currently right now. And the fact that Wall Street got excited by the fact that more people are being laid off. I mean, think of it this way. It's so sickening if you think about it this way too. They're excited. Facebook stock's going up. It means less people are getting paid, which means less people more less people are having jobs, which means the job report numbers are going to probably not be that good next quarter, especially with layoffs happening. Or if there's new jobs out there, then that doesn't matter as much. But Wall Street right now is happy because it means Facebook is paying less people to work for their company. That's a sickening sign right there. That's a pretty sickening moment for Wall Street. And I wish someone would call them out. We will here. It's a sickening sign. It is, Wall Street. You're getting excited over the fact that people are losing their jobs. I think that would be the opposite effect because it also means now that Facebook might miss their revenue next quarter. And all honestly, okay, less people means less work gets done or it means more stress is put on other workers, which means if they don't meet their quarterly earnings, this could be one reason. It's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward. Continuing on, it says Walgreens backed Village MD to buy Summit Health in $9 billion deal. Primary care provider Village MD, which is backed by Walgreens Boot Alliance, is buying urgent care provider Summit Health in a deal valued at nearly $9 billion as the number two U.S. pharmacy chain expands its health care footprint. Private equity firm Warburg uh, Pincus backed Summit Health Runs, an independent physician-run medical groups that also operate City MD, which acts as an alternative to hospital emergency department visits. Walgreens said on Monday that it will invest $3.5 billion through an even mix of debt and equity to support the acquisition which is expected to close in the first quarter of 2023. The company will remain the large and consult- consolidating shareholders of Village MD with about 53% stake. The deal will also feature investments from health insurer Cigna Corp Healthcare Unit Evernorth, which will which will also become a minority owner in Village MD. Walgreens also raised its fiscal year two uh, correction. Walgreens also raised its fiscal year 2025 sales goal for US healthcare business to 14.5 billion to 16 billion from 11 billion to 12 billion the previous to account for the deal. The company had invested 5.2 billion last year to raise its stake in Village MD to 60% from 30%. The announcement is the latest con- consolidation in the US healthcare sector. It follows a, the 4 billion acquisition of primary care operator uh, One Life Healthcare Inc and CVS Health Corp 8 billion buyout of Signify Health. Together, Village MD and Summit Health will have the presence in more than 680 locations. Summit Health and City MD had merged in August 2019, with the company now having over 13,000 employees and operating in over 370 locations. My personal opinion: Walgreens stocks is going to grow. It will. And this is something I forgot to mention too. I do have a very, very small position in Walgreens stock as well, but it's a long-term position in Walgreens. The thing with Walgreens, okay, in particular, is that Walgreens is it this could be a growth catalyst for the company you got to remember walgreens stock has been beaten really really hard okay a few years ago and now i gotta mention this disclaimer too i do have shares in cvs it's a long-term position as well but a few years ago cvs had bought a health insurance company I, i can't remember which healthcare insurance company but they did buy one and i remember thinking at the time i was like buying a healthcare provider is going to help cvs grow and i remember thinking How much longer until Walgreens does that? Walgreens hasn't done it yet. But in the future, I could see Walgreens buying a health insurance company. Why? Because it's 
it's free cash flow that would come in to Walgreens to help grow the medical side of business. Okay. Now, granted, them buying out uh, Summit Health for people to go in for emergency care, that might be their plan. Walgreens, if I'm not mistaken, a few years ago had said that they're planning to start transforming their stores from all you can do stop and shop areas like to buy milk and groceries and all that stuff, right, to focusing on pharmaceutical and healthcare visits. Okay. I know CVS is testing that out in some areas in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. And I think Walgreens is doing the exact same thing too. But I think this would be even better. I think a store like Walgreens or CVS, for them to continue to grow, okay, they should turn their little pharmacy spots into minute clinics or walk-in areas or emergency clinics, right? Think of it this way, okay? If you guys ever have been to the emergency room, granted, uh, this is going to put a lot of emergency rooms in trouble going forward. You can't really buy your drugs after you go to the emergency room. You have to go to your local drugstore. Okay. I think in reality, if I was in the emergency room, I think I would want to be able to leave the emergency room with my prescription so I can go home. It's a long wait sometimes. Even visiting the doctor, you don't have the opportunity to just go from the side of seeing your doctor to getting your prescriptions at the doctor's office. You have to go to a CVS pharmacy or Walgreens or depending on whatever one you go to. I think in the future, I think Walgreens and CVS are going to eventually turn their companies into a one-stop shop all, okay? Think about it. You're sick. You go see a doctor at your local CVS or Walgreens. You pick up your prescription after you see the doctor, or as soon as the doctor writes down the prescription that you need, the doctor pumps it into their system, and then it shoots it right down to the drug counter area. And then as you're waiting in line, you can determine whether or not you need to buy chicken noodle soup, some drinks that you need to get better, buy some extra vitamins maybe, could help, really could. Because then it means you're seeing your doctor fast, you're getting your medication quickly, and you can start getting better faster. I think that's where Walgreens and CVS are eventually going to be heading to. There's obviously this in financial advice, but it seems like this is what they're trying to do, a one-stop shop all. And I think it will work in the long run. Eventually, there's other companies that are going to take over, and I can think of one, which I'm not going to talk about currently right now. But it would make things a lot more interesting if I were to say myself, because no offense, I hate having to drive in multiple locations when I'm sick. So this could help a lot. Continuing on with articles, Carvana stock tanks in continued sell-off. Shares of Carvana were briefly halted Monday morning due to the volatility down as much as 24% at one point to below $7 per share, its lowest point on record. Volume spiked on the beaten down used car seller named Monday. In just the first 22 minutes of trading, more than 9.2 million Carvana shares have changed hands. That's more than 65% of the stock's 30-day average volume of 14.14 million. Shares of Carvana have plunged by 97% this year after reaching an all-time high intertrade high at $376.83 per share on August 10th of 2021. The stock on Monday hit an all-time low at $6.68 per share. Wow, that is a huge drop right there. Though it's slightly recovered from the first hour of trading to about $7.50 a share of roughly 14%. Dang, that all-time high, $376.83? Dang, that's insane. And now it's like at 6 to 7 Man, there, there must be a lot of angry investors right now in that company. We thought Facebook was bad. Continuing on, it says, Monday's decline coming in as Carvana posted its worst day 
ever Friday after the company missed Wall Street's top and bottom line expectations for the third quarter as the outlook of used cars fall for the record demand pricing the profits during the coronavirus pandemic. Cox Automotive uh, Mainham Used Vehicle Value Index, which tracks prices of used vehicles sold at the U.S. wholesale auctions, have fallen by 15.4% this year through October after peaking in January, including a 2.2% decline from September to October. Retail prices traditionally follow changes in wholesale. That's good news for potential car buyers. However, not great for companies such as Carvana that purchased the vehicles at record highs and are now trying to sell them for a profit. Morgan Stanley on Friday pulled its ratings and price target for the stock. Analysis Adam Jonas cited a deterioration in the used car market and a volatility funding environment for the change. You know, Carvana, in my opinion, is going to get hit even harder. And this is why I'm going to say this right now. I just realized as I was talking about this article, if they're trying to make for profit, which is fine, that's their business model. What are they going to do in states like California or New York that just recently passed the bill that said you cannot sell combustion engines in the state? And honestly, that means they're going to have to start buying used cars, potentially, that are electric. And I don't think there's that many used electric cars out there currently right now. I mean, it's not every day I drive by a, a, a lot of used cars and I see an electric cars sitting there. No, I see more combustion engines. Carvana is going to be in a lot of trouble even more soon. Okay, this, this is insane. And I don't think anyone's realizing this. It's just my opinion, though. Carvana is going to get hit hard. They will. I'd have, I like... I don't see a lot of electric cars being resold. Maybe I got to look a little bit more like in advertising online, but at least when I drive by car lots that are reselling cars, I don't see that currently right now. Carvana, geez. They're... Stay away from Carvana. That's all I'm going to say on that one right now. Not financial advice, obviously, my opinion though. I think Carvana is a really, really bad choice uh, and they're going to get affected hard with these bills that are being passed. No, I wonder why if Wall Street's even thinking about that either, or maybe they have, and that's why the stock's been taking a huge hit hard because there's not that many electric cars that are being sold in the used market currently right now. Now, granted, if they can jump on that trend quickly and get all electric cars in those states, they'll probably make a lot of money because the electric cars will be in demand in a few years. So maybe that's what Carvana's got to start doing. But in the next few years, it's going to be ugly. Planeter stocks fall after slight earnings miss. Shares of Planeter have fell more than 10% Monday after the company released third quarter earnings. The missed analysis estimates for earnings, beat, but beat on revenue. Here's how the company did. Earning per shares of 0.01 cents, adjusted for 0.02 cents, expected by analysis according to Refinitiv. Revenue is at 478 million versus the 470 expected. So they beat on revenue. Pretty good. Plan Planeter's revenue for the quarter increased 22% year over year, and its U.S. commercial revenue grew 53%. The software company, which is known for its works with the government, said its U.S. commercial customer count increased 124% year over year, growing from 59 customers to 132. Good job, Planet uh, Planeter. In a letter to shareholders, Planeter CEO Alex Karp said that the company is in the early stages of a significant transformation. Karp said Planeter's anticipations regional markets with the U.S., such as the Midwest, Southwest Texas, and New England, could develop into a billion-dollar business. However, Karp said that the, the countries in continual Europe, correction, the countries in continental Europe, have been less willing to introduce software systems that challenge existing habits. Oh, good to know that Europe is slow to trends. Continuing on, it says, we have been the, that large institution in the U.S. have been far more willing to investigate the more significant sources of our sem, 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 somatic dysfunctional within our organization. 
which is in the current moment often relates to the ability or rather inability of institutions to um, metabolize its own data, he said. Planetar, Planetar, I mean, said it expects to report between 503 million and 505 million revenue during the fourth quarter on par with analysis estimates to 503 million according to street account. You know, this is interesting. This is one of the few companies that's actually giving a report for next quarter. And maybe this is something investors should look into. Not financial advice, but think about this for a second. A lot of companies aren't giving financial advice for future quarters. Why? It means they don't expect revenue to be coming in. But maybe if you have a contract with the U.S. government, those companies are more willing to give financial reports because there's at least some money coming in, whether it's through taxes mostly. Maybe that's where Wall Street's going to start pouring their money in soon, is in companies that are assigned to the U.S. government or just governments in general that have money coming in currently right now. Maybe that's where you need to look into investing. Not financial advice, obviously, but it does make a little things more interesting going forward because it makes sense a little bit if you're getting free money from the government because they're using your services, but the the private sector can't do it as much. Well, that might be something to look into. Oh, I might look into it, see if this is a theory worth looking into a little bit more. Continuing on with the feds, the feds announced 3.36 billion seizure of Bitcoin, the second largest recovery of crypto so far. The Department of Justice announced Monday that it seized about 3.36 billion in stolen Bitcoin during a previously unannounced 2021 raid of the residence James Zong. Zong pled guilty on Friday to one count of wire fraud, which carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. The U.S. authorities seized about 50,676 Bitcoin from Zong during the search in his house in Gainesville, Georgia, on November 9th, 2021. The Department of Justice said, announcing the details of the department's second largest financial seizure to date, it follows the $3.6 billion in alleged stolen cryptocurrencies linked to the 2016 hack of cryptocurrencies exchange uh, Bitfinex. According to authorities, Zong stole Bitcoin from the illegal Silk Road marketplace, a dark web form on which drugs and other illicit products were bought and sold with cryptocurrencies. Silk Road was launched in 2011, but the Federal Bureau of Investigation shut it down in 2013. Its founder, Ross William, uh, Oberich is now serving a life sentence in pris- prison. For almost 10 years, with the whereabouts of the massive chunk of missing Bitcoin had ballooned into over 3.3 billion mystery, said U.S. Attorney General, uh, correction, U.S. Attorney Damian Williams. According to the Southern District of New York, Zong took advantage of the marketplace vulnerabilities to execute the hack. The IRS CIA special agents in charge, Tyler Hatcher, said Zong used a sophisticated scheme to steal Bitcoin from the Silk Road marketplace. According to the press release in September of 2012, Zong created nine fraudulent accounts on Silk Road, funding each which was between 200 and 2,000 Bitcoin. He then triggered over 140 transactions in rapid successions that tricked the marketplace withdrawing process system to release approximately 50,000 Bitcoins into his account. Zong then transferred the Bitcoin into a variety of wallet addresses, all under his control. Well, the only thing I'm going to say is it's good to see that there's more Bitcoin back out there. Because that means now that I mean, well, in reality, maybe they won't be back out there because maybe the U.S. government's going to end up holding on to this Bitcoin. It's going to be curious to see if they actually do release it. They probably won't. Continuing on the article, it says, here it is. A public record shows Zong was the president and CEO of the self-created company Jay-Z Capital LLC, which he registered in Georgia in 2014. According to his LinkedIn profile, his work there focused on investment and venture capital. His profile also states that he was a large earlier investor 
a correction, a large early Bitcoin investor with an extensive knowledge of its inner workings and that he had software development experience and computer programming languages. His long social media profiles included pictures of him on yachts in front of airplanes and high profile football games. But these types of hacks didn't end well for the Silk Road demise. Crypto platforms continue to be vulnerable criminals. In October 2022, Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange by trading volume, suffered a 570 million hack. The company said the bug in a smart contract enabled hackers to exploit a cross-chain bridge, BSC token hub. As a result of its hackers withdrew the platform, native cryptocurrencies called BNB tokens. It's good to see that the... U.S. government is doing their jobs with being able to find these people. But I often wonder, like I said, if this is going to be brought back into the system, the 50,000 Bitcoins. I don't expect it to. I expect the U.S. government to be holding on to those Bitcoins. So that's something that my fellow Bitcoin people should be able to look into a little bit more, hopefully. Maybe uh, let us know if uh, the U.S. government's holding on to those Bitcoins. Because there are some countries that actually show how much Bitcoin they hold. And I don't think the U.S. government has that much. But it would be interesting to see if the U.S. government is going to hold these 50,000 Bitcoins. It would make things really interesting in the crypto markets. Now for the last thing, it's on the politics side of things. And like I've said, the midterm elections are coming up tomorrow. And it's going to be quite insane to see what happens. At least at the time of the recording of this podcast. But things should get interesting. It says here, the EU says it has serious concerns about the Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. From Brussels. The European Union has some serious concerns about the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act, saying it breaches international trade rules according to an official document seen by CNBC. The sweeping tax, health, and climate bill was approved by the U.S. lawmakers in August. That includes a record $369 billion in spending on climate and energy policies. Hooray! We get to spend more taxes on money and take away people's future for a bill. Continuing on, it says the landmark package compromised tax credits for electric cars made in North America and supports U.S. battery supply change. European officials have acknowledged that the green ambitions associated with the package, but they are worried about the ways that, that the financial incentives under the acts are designed. The document in which will be presented by, to U.S. officials say the EU listed nine of the tax credit provisions that it has an issue with. Speaking in Brussels, the EU trade chief said, we have established a task force to deal with these issues we are currently concentrating on finding a negotiated solution. Hopefully there is willingness from the U.S. to address the concerns which we are having in the EU side, Valdis said, uh, told CNBC. The Office of the U.S. Trade Representative was not immediately available for comment when contacted by CNBC on Monday. The U.S. Treasury highlighted an article from last month where U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that she had heard about the concerns but played down the chances of any changes to the package. Speaking in Brussels, several European finance ministers also highlighted their concerns over the measure state side. Quote, we are concerned about the consequences due to the Inflation Reduction Act. Christian Linder, the German finance minister, told CNBC, saying our common approach should be our value partners should stay preferred trade partners, he said. When asked of if the solution would be would be to start working on a new trade deal with the U.S., Linder said, quote, we should be open for it if both sides agree. But at the moment, we have to analyze analyze the Inflation Reduction Act with the consequences of our industries. And we have to inform the U.S. side about our serious concerns. I am sh- I am not sure they are aware of our concerns in which we are concerned. This is not the first time the European, the correction, this is not the first time that Europe has voiced its concerns over the policy. The EU's uh, competitive chief said last month that as a matter of principle, you should not put this up against friends as reported by the Financial Times. You know, one thing I'm going to say about this is this. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about the Inf- Inflation Reduction Act. There are people out there in the web that are 100 times smarter than I am. 
But I do know this, okay? A bill that's going to cost, what was it, $369 billion to get passed? Yeah, $369 billion in spending on climate and energy policies. I don't know what that has to do with Inflation Reduction Act. That just sounds like more inflation is coming. Oh, wait, that's right. Joe Biden had recently said in when he was running for president that he would end the oil and gas companies. He did. You can look it up. He said, it, I think, in the debate with President Trump. I think I could be wrong on that, and I'm willing to admit if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did say that. And he also said on his website, I believe you can look that up as well when he was running for president. I know a lot of people don't look into that stuff, but if you want to, I mean, it doesn't hurt to look. What I do know is this. If this bill is completely passed, which it looks like it already has, it just means more inflation's coming. Oh, oh, more, more inflation. We can spend our way into oblivion. And and I'm going to keep saying this until there's finally someone who does an investigation on this. It would be a big investigation story if this actually were to happen. My honest opinion, I think a lot of these government officials in Washington have a lot of green energy stocks. I do. Okay. Because I looked into green energy stocks a few years ago and I remember thinking these companies don't make money. They didn't, at least at the time. Maybe things have changed. But a few years ago, I remember looking into them being like, these companies have negative earnings per share. Now, granted, a lot of them were startups and a lot of startups are negative. But if I were to look at them today, I wonder if they have any profit behind them because that's what the market's for, is for profit, right? Something tells me a lot of these politicians in general have a lot of green energy in their portfolios, okay? Now, whether or not we know it, it's another story. But there are deals sometimes made in Washington that we don't always know about. But I will say this too. If Joe Biden or anyone from the United States talks to the European Union about this, okay? Somehow, somehow, the trade deal is going to get screwed up in some way, shape, or form. It will. And the only reason I say that is it used to be every country was out for its own interest. And every country is still out for its own interest in some way, shape, or form. But at the end of the day, this is going to end up potentially become a disaster. And all honestly, $369 million billion deal being passed. And you have the EU that's complaining about it. Joe Biden's probably going to be like, yeah, we should uh, negotiate on being able to get this deal better for you. It's not going to end well. It's not going to end well for anyone in Europe. It's not going to end well for anyone in the United States. All it's going to do is whatever politicians potentially have these stocks or companies. This is just a theory. It's not, there's no proof behind it, but whoever has them, they're going to make a lot of money. Just you wait. Okay. If more and more of these green energy bills pass, don't be surprised if some politicians make a lot of money. I hope some of the people in Washington are doing background checks on some of these people to make sure that this isn't happening, but hard to tell. And like I've said too, tomorrow's going to be interesting with the midterm elections because a lot of what's happening could either continue or might not. And that's the other thing too. Maybe with the midterm elections happening tomorrow, if let's say the Let's say one party wins, and I'll let you think about what that party is. But if they win, they might just say, no, we don't have time for that to, to look into what your concerns are, EU, because we're going back to oil and gas. Make things really interesting to say at the end of the day. But don't know where things are going. I think Wall Street knows where it's going. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens going forward. So I'll leave it there. Remember, this isn't financial advice. This is just my opinions. 
and articles that we're reading here on this podcast. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today, fellow podcast listeners. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast so we can be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't always or willing to be able to talk about. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Please continue to share with friends or family and help grow this podcast. Thank you for those of you who have, as you've helped grow this podcast a little bit more every single day. That being said, thank you so much for today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.